0: Number 533, let's stand up, sing out, 533, He Lives, 533. was wonderful. Thank you so much, uh, Jennifer and Catherine. This past week, I ran across a story about Queen Mary. And the story said that she made it her practice to visit Scotland every year. And she was so loved by the people of that land that she often mingled with them freely without having a protective escort. One afternoon, while walking with some children, She went further than she had planned, and dark clouds came up unexpectedly, and she stopped at a nearby house to borrow an umbrella. If you'll lend me one, she said, I'll I'll send it back to you tomorrow. Well, the woman of the house did not recognize the queen. She didn't know who she was talking to, and she was reluctant to give her best umbrella to this lady whom she did not know. And so she gave her an umbrella that she intended to throw away. I mean, the fabric was torn in several places. One of the ribs of the umbrella was broken. And the lady took it and went on on her way. Well, the next day, a knock came at her door again. And when the lady opened it, she was greeted by a royal guard who was holding in his hand her tattered umbrella. The queen sent me, he said. She asked me to thank you for loaning her this. And for a moment, the woman was standing there and she was stunned. And then she burst into tears. Oh, what an opportunity I missed, she cried. I didn't give my queen my very best. I didn't give the queen the very best. I wonder, beloved, how many of us will say something similar... When we stand before the judgment seat of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All of us who are believers will stand at the bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. Not to determine our salvation. No, that's determined at the foot of the cross. But the judgment seat of Christ is a place of reviewing of our life and a place of reward. And I wonder how many of us will stand there and like that lady say, Oh, if I'd only given my best to my Lord and Savior. The poet put it this way, "...when I stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and He shows me His plan for me, the plan of my life as it might have been, and I see how I blocked Him here and checked Him there and would not yield my will. Will there be grief in my Savior's eyes? Grief, though He loves me still. He would have me rich, but I stand here poor, stripped of all but His grace." While memory runs like a hunted thing down a path I can't retrace. Then my desolate heart will well nigh break. With tears I cannot shed. I will cover my face with my empty hands. I will bow my uncrowned head. Why is it that so many professing Christians merely give the Lord their leftovers? Their leftover time. Their leftover money their leftover energy, if indeed there is any of it left over. You see, the Lord calls for a total and complete surrender of our lives and our bodies. But it's obvious that many have not responded to the call, at least not in a positive way. Some can't even make it to church, much less serve in it. There are jobs that go undone or taken on by someone who's already overloaded as it is. The nominating committee meets each year and scratches its head saying, well, who else can we ask? Jesus has given very little time and attention in many homes. And I'm talking about those who say they know Christ and love Christ as Savior and Lord. We sing songs like I surrender all, but we don't mean it and we do not practice it. Truth be told, more lies are probably told with the hymn book than anything else. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 12, and we're beginning a new series today, and as you can probably already tell, it's a challenging series, and it's going to challenge us, I think, today. There's a call to commitment, a call to surrender here that is real, that is practical, and is total. We're going to begin a new series today on Romans 12, Romans chapter 12. And the passage starts out right away with a call for surrender. A call for commitment. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Perhaps a familiar passage to you. The Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I want to read it one more time. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, we're going to ask three questions uh, this morning in our time together. Very simple questions. Number one, what does God want? What does God want? Well, the passage is clear, isn't it? He says very clearly, very plainly, that He wants your body. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now notice right away who it is that Paul is speaking to here. Notice that word, brethren. This message is for believers, for those who know the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you can't give your body literally to Christ. Until you, get, first of all, give him your soul. A lost person can't do what Romans 12, one says and, and carry out this. Why? First Corinthians two fourteen. But the natural man, that is the unsaved man, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So literally, before you literally give him your body, as it talks about here, you must first of all give him your soul. You must turn from your sin and place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've never done that, I want to invite you to Christ today. The Bible says that all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none good, no, not one. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you'll turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ and Christ alone, He will save you. He'll forgive you. He'll make you a child of God, an heir and joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. A home in heaven. And I challenge you today, if you've never received Christ, receive Him today. Give Him your soul today. Now this message is for the Christian. Those who know Him. The brethren. Those who belong to Him. But there's a call here for... Your body. Now I want you to know it's for all Christians. Some will look at Romans 12 and say, well, that's just for full-time ministers and missionaries. Others might think, no, this is for those who we would consider super spiritual people. No, beloved, this is for the brethren. This is for all. All Christians. Men and women, boys and girls, teenagers, all those who know the Lord Jesus. It says here He wants our bodies. Our bodies. He says we're to present them as a sacrifice. Now, when you hear that, you probably think, if you were brought up in church, you think about the Old Testament. And the sacrifices that were offered there, those animal sacrifices. Thanks be to God, we don't have to do that anymore. Thanks be to God, you'd have to bring along a a lamb or a bull or whatever to a church to this morning. Why? Because Jesus is our sacrifice. Hebrews 9, 11 and 12 says, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is not of this creation. Listen to Hebrews 9, 12. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. What did He say there on the cross? It is finished. And and He is our sacrifice. And so the sacrifice that God is calling us to make here in uh, Romans chapter 12 is not an atoning sacrifice, because that's found in Christ alone. It's not an atoning sacrifice. The sacrifice being called for is a sacrifice of thanksgiving and devotion. As the Bible scholar W.H. Griffith Thomas said and reminded us, we work from, not for, our salvation. This is for saved people here. The brethren, we work from our salvation, not for our salvation. But he says very plainly that God wants, Christian, your body. Now, why does God want your body? Well, to put it plain and simple, when he has your body, he has all of you. If we're going to live for Christ, if we're going to magnify Christ, we're going to do it in our bodies. That's where we live, that's what we have. And He says, I want your body. And when He has your body, He has all of you. This is for all believers. Listen to some verses from 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Christian, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own, for you are bought at a price... Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are gods. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. When a person comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in their life. The Holy Spirit indwells their life. But the Holy Spirit also desires to fill our lives, to control our lives as we yield to Him. And God wants us to yield to Him and give control of our bodies to God, the Holy Spirit. To present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now in the Old Testament, there were stipulations laid down as to what was an acceptable sacrifice. You couldn't bring broken down, maimed, blind animals. You had to bring certain animals. And stipulations are laid down here as to what kind of sacrifice of thanksgiving and devotion we should offer to our God. We see the qualities of our sacrifice here. We you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of your God that you present your bodies. Notice first of all, it's voluntary. We're presenting it to God. We voluntarily bring the offering. We voluntarily say, Lord, here is my body. But notice next it says that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. That seems kind of odd, doesn't it? In the Old Testament, so they bring an animal and then they would slay the animal. They'd kill it. God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. Alive, active, living For me. And then he says, not only a living sacrifice, but also the next word, holy. The idea of holy is the idea of being separate or set apart for God's use. We might use the word sanctified, is set apart for God's use. Holy also has the idea of pure. We'll talk more about that in our study of Romans 12, because I think holiness is a word and a concept and a practice that is lost in many believers. Uh, ideas in lives today, in the church today. were to be set apart for God's use and pure. And as we come, we present our bodies living and holy to the Lord. It will result in a sacrifice that is well-pleasing to the Lord. Now, I'll be honest, some hearing this this morning might be thinking, this is kind of radical. I, I, I don't know about this idea of giving my, my body to the Lord and, and, and living out and saying, okay, take control of my body. It seems kind of radical, seems kind of out there. I'm okay with, with salvation, I'm okay with Jesus, but, but this idea about my body being a living sacrifice, I'm not sure about that. Well, that brings us to our second question. It's this Why should you give him your body? Why should you give him your body? Well, we already know from what we read in Corinthians that He bought us with the blood of Christ. We already know that He owns us. We're not our own. But that's not the line of thinking that Paul uses here in Romans 12. Did you notice that? Go back and look at it again. He says, I beseech you. I beseech you. So he urges them to do this not based on guilt. Not based on fear. But instead, he bases it upon gratitude. Why? Because he says the foundation for the sacrifice is what? It says the mercies of God. I urge you, I encourage you, I exhort you based upon the mercies of God. You see that word, therefore, in that verse? When you see the word, therefore, you want to take a moment and consider what it's there for. It usually refers back to what's come before. And we've come through if you we start at Romans chapter 1, verse 1, eleven chapters. And then those eleven chapters, he's already written a great deal about the mercy of God, God's mercy toward us. And he's mentioned those mercies over and over. One Bible preacher gave a list of ones that he listed out. I won't give you all the references. If you'd like them, I'll give them to you after the service. Let me read this list of what he's already talked about in Romans chapters 1-11. through The mercies of God include the peace of God, the power of the gospel, the kindness and long-suffering of God toward us, a right standing before God, the forgiveness of every sin, past, present, and future, the hope in God's glory, The love of God poured out in our hearts, the Holy Spirit, justification by the blood of Christ, salvation from the wrath of God, reconciliation with God, the gift of eternal life, the freedom to bear fruit for God, membership of the family of God, security in our salvation, mercy from God, the good news of the gospel and more. And then notice the verse that precedes chapter 12, verse 1. The very last verse of chapter 11, verse 36. The Bible says, For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, based upon the mercies of God and what He's done and what He's doing for us, we, when we consider all this, how can we not give him our bodies as a living sacrifice? The hymn writer said it this way Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. You see, beloved, the motive for this sacrifice is the mercy of God. The mercy of God. Aren't you glad we serve a merciful God? I am. If not, we'd all be in hell this morning. Now listen. We're also told here that this is our reasonable service. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That is, this is logical. This makes sense. Jesus gave Himself for us. He gave His life a ransom for many. He gave His life for us. How can we not give ours to Him? He bought us. He owns us. The old preacher T. DeWitt Talmadge, in one of his sermons from many, many, many years ago, said, suppose you rented or purchased a house, the whole house and the former owner comes to you with the keys. There are 12 rooms in this house, and he gives you six of the keys. You say, what? Where are the other keys? I bought the whole house. Oh, he says, you can't have them. There's a room on the second floor you can't have. There's a room on the third floor you can't have. A room on the fourth floor. There's a dark place up in the attic that you can't have. But here are the keys to the others. And Old Talmud said you would say, I purchased the whole house. I want all the keys or I don't want any of them. And beloved Christ will take everything from cellar to attic. All the keys of your affections, all your hopes, all your ambitions, all your heart, all your life. Or we will not take one key. Now, beloved, this sacrifice is Reasonable. It's reasonable, it's logical that we would give our bodies everything we are, everything we have to the Lord as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him. But the sad thing today, the sad thing is that when someone lives this way, you know what happens? He or she is labeled as unreasonable. In other words, they've gone too far. They've got a little fanatical on us. They're a little too much uh, Jesus-centered in their life. And they're a little bit out there. They're, They're unreasonable. No, beloved, we haven't gone far enough. We haven't gone far enough. The old evangelist Vance Habner said that most church members live so far below the standard you'd have to backslide to be in fellowship with them. And I'm afraid he's right. He said that many, many, many years ago. And we look at someone who would lift their all to the Lord and say, oh, they're so unreasonable, they're so strange, they're so fanatical. But yet God says what? I want your body. I want everything. I want all. You see, Romans 12 here. Romans 12 is normal Christian living. This is not something out there. This is not something just for super-Christians. Giving my all to Christ, living for Him. That is normal, authentic Christian living. To give our all to Him. And yet so many say, Oh, uh, I I want my my ticket to heaven. I I want my, my insurance policy from hell. But God says, listen... I want your all. He says to believers here, those who know Christ, those who are born again, I want your body as a living sacrifice. So the message is clear. He wants your body. The motive is clear. The mercies of God. The glory of God. It's reasonable. But there's a third question, and that's this. What's your response? Don't answer out loud, but what's your response? Christian, have you done this? Have you crawled up on that altar as a living sacrifice? Someone said the problem of living sacrifices, they keep crawling off the altar. Why is that? I think it's because we don't trust the character of our God. I think it's because we don't know our God as we ought to know Him. Listen to this, don't miss this. Listen, your view of God and His character... Your view of God and His character will determine your response to this call for sacrifice. How you see God, how you understand God, how you know God, will determine your response to this call for sacrifice. The great Christian A.W. Tozer said, the whole outlook of mankind might be changed if we could all believe that we dwell under a friendly sky And that the God of heaven, though exalted in power and majesty, is eager to be friends with us. Do you believe that today? We live under friendly skies. And our God, who is exalted in power and majesty, desires to be our friend. Let's be honest about it. Let's be real honest about it. What is it that keeps us from eagerly jumping up on that altar and saying, Lord, here I am. Here's my body, here's my life, here's my dreams, here's my hope, here's everything. What is it that keeps us from doing that? It's fear. It's fear. Let's be honest about it. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, we're, we're fearful that God's going to make us miserable. We're fearful He's going to remove all the fun from our life. We're filled with fear. He's going to send us to Africa. Or to Asia. Or to Siberia. Or or, or even up north with the Yankees.
1: I'm going.
0: (laughs) I'm married to one in case. I can get away with that. Don't you do that, Joe. We're fearful that God really doesn't have Our best in mine. We're fearful that God is out to hurt us. That God is out to harm us. Beloved, we don't know God's character like we ought to know it. We really don't understand that He always has our best and His glory and mine. We forget, beloved, that the same God who loved us so much that He sacrificed His own Son in our place, the very same God is the one who asked for our bodies. And yet we think He's out to make us miserable? We think He's out to get us? We think He's out to harm us? Fear is a driving force in so many believers' lives why they hold back giving their all. Their bodies, their hopes, their dreams, their ambitions, their aspirations, their family, their finances, their time, their energy. they very life to the Lord because they're fearful. And let's be honest about this as well. Not only fear, but we're also very much people who want to keep control, don't we? We don't want to take our hands off. We want to be in control of our life. Why? Because we think we know better. We think we know how our life ought to go and what ought to happen. And sometimes we're honest, what we'll do is we make our plans and we say, oh God bless my plan. That's not the way God desires. That's not the way God works. God wants you to say, here I am Lord. I surrender all. I want your plan for my life. Because His plan is always best. God always gives the best to those who live the choice to Him. Bible teacher Chip Ingram And his book on Romans 12 talks about the fear that he faced and giving up control of his life to the Lord and, and surrendering to the Lordship of Christ. This is really all about Lordship. That is, He's the Lord of our lives. And he talked about how he struggled with that, giving up the range of his life. And he said the Lord led him to a verse that became a very precious verse to him. Became a treasure to him. And a tremendous help to him. And it may be the same for you. And I would encourage you to jot the reference down. The Lord led him to Psalm 84 verse 11. Psalm 84 verse 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Listen, no good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing. And Chip says as he would struggle with this, he'd go back to Psalm 84 verse 11. The Lord, God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them uh, those who walk uprightly. I again ask you, Christian, what is your response when it comes for this call for your body to be a living sacrifice? You ever signed a contract for something? Maybe you uh, bought a house. You know that when you go to sign a contract that there are all these words and terms and conditions. Sometimes page after page of them. Probably an attorney has drawn this up. And you go through it and they say initial here and and sign here and initial here and slit your finger and bleed there. and, And you go through that contract. You know what I'm talking about? Well, when it comes to this verse, this is kind of like a contract, but the difference is it's a blank contract. In other words, you don't see all the details. You don't see all the terms and conditions. You don't see the figures. You don't see the timetable. But you trust the one who holds the contract. And what you do is you take pen in hand and you simply sign the bottom of the blank contract and you leave the rest up to the Lord. That is, you're giving Him total and complete control. And by the way, I would encourage you to do that. I got to looking. I know I had done that in the past. And I went and I found my blank contract with God. And it's blank. And I signed my name at the bottom. Just as a way of reminding me as I look at that, that my life is not mine to control. It belongs to the Lord. And I've allowed the Lord to guide and direct and my life is His. And it's up to Him to fill in the details. And it's up to Him to to do all the terms and conditions. And I would encourage you sometime to do that, to take out a sheet of paper and come before the Lord in prayer and literally take a pen in hand and sign your name at the bottom and say, Lord, You have my life. You have my body. I'm Yours. I give You complete And total control. As I was looking for that blank contract of mine. I ran across some words I jotted down. Obviously several years ago now. I guess it was. And some words that Rick Warren once gave. And they were so appropriate for what we're talking about today. And I'm grateful that I found them. Here's what Rick said. He said, give it all to God your past regrets, your present problems, your future ambitions, your fears, dreams, weaknesses, habits, hurts, and hang-ups. Put Jesus Christ in the driver's seat of your life and take your hands off the steering wheel. Don't be afraid. Nothing under His control can ever be out of Control. Mastered by Christ, you can handle anything. I close with these words I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service shall we bow in prayer while your head is bowed and your eyes are closed number one do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior if not that's the starting point if not I would invite you to Christ today to turn from your sin and place your faith totally and completely in him here in a moment we'll sing an invitation song and I invite you to come and you say what will happen preacher preacher I'll simply welcome you and I'll place you with someone who loves Jesus and loves you. They'll sit down with the Bible and share the gospel with you and lead you to Jesus Christ. I would invite you today. Now the majority of the message has been for those of us who know Jesus. He's Lord and Savior of our lives. But has there come a time in your life where you've taken your hands off the steering wheel and you've put them in the driver's seat? And said, Lord, my life is yours to control. I give you my body as a living sacrifice. As it were, if you signed a blank contract and said, Lord, you fill in the details. I trust you. You're a sun and shield. No good thing with you withhold from me. And no matter where it is, no matter when it is, no matter who it is, I trust you. To guide my life. If you've never done that friend. I want to invite you today to come. And there's an altar here. I want you to kneel at this altar. And say Lord here's my life. Take it and use it. I'm yours. I want to live my life for you. My body is yours to control. That's a message for Christians. And it's reasonable. And it's logical. And it's right. And now, Father, I pray that You'll do that which only You can do. As Your Holy Spirit works in hearts and lives, I pray if anybody here needs to trust Christ as Savior, they'll do that. And I pray for many believers today, if they've never come and laid their life on the altar, they'll do it today and say, Here am I, Lord. I'm Yours. I pray this in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 144. One of those verses I've referenced in the message. When I survey the wondrous cross. And as we stand and sing, you come today. You need to be saved. Come let me know that. We'll place you with someone who will share the gospel. You want to come and pray and give your life to the Lord and say, literally, here's my body. Come and do that today. One let let's stand and sing. When I survey the wondrous cross.